So we have a very important holiday coming up. I think we all know who it is. A very famous black man that made a very, how shall I say, important dent in history. During the times in the 60s and 70s when people actually stood up for something, actually united to fight for something. Uh, he was recognized as their leader. Uh, his name was Martin Luther King Jr. He believed in a peaceful resolution to the issues in this country. I have respect for him, of course, because it was no easy task standing up to the oppression that we lived under and still do. I have to admit that I do not believe that peace is something that can be attained through our laws and legislature. People that stood beside him in the fights, in the protest, they were not violent. And they were not all black. I want to point that out because it's important. We discussed earlier the definition of an Uncle Tom, which is someone within the black race that is infinitely more dangerous and deadly to the black race. Now, bear in mind, they didn't walk around calivanting in uh, white sheets, but they've been there the whole time. They're the ones that turned their family in before we even got to America. They're the ones that volunteered whatever information they needed to gather the black people to become slaves. They're the ones that think that or will say that there is no racism in America. Now, there's a young lady on a uh, social network, which, of course, I won't mention. She is extremely pretty to look at. Uh, I guess that's why all the people are following her. Very pretty young lady. She claims to be of the black race. And on her post, she put down there that she is happy and proud to be an American black. I don't know. After I read that on her profile, she didn't look quite as attractive to me. I mean, I understand, of course, that she's young, full of hope, ideals. We all were. Until, at some point in time, they were taken from us. I have a granddaughter. I just told her the other day. 
And I, I think she's very, very beautiful, of course. I may be biased. But I told her quite emphatically that there's more to beauty than just your appearance. It's how you behave, how you act, how you treat people, how you think. And I've seen it even amongst my own family. Visually, they may be attractive. But the ones that stand out the most are the ones with the good heart, the kind heart, the innocent souls. I believe that the gentleman that we're celebrating, and again, it was no easy task to get America to do anything that would honor any black person, much less a man. I mean, every time I think about it, it boggles my mind. How did that happen? Did they slip? But this man was a beautiful man. I didn't agree with his, his philosophy. Or let me, let me rephrase that. I didn't believe that his ideology, or ideology, oh my God, there we go again. I didn't realize I had so many speech impediments. I didn't realize that his theories were in conflict with my beliefs until much later in life, of course. After you've been abused or had your family taken from you or, you know, been persecuted falsely or whatever the circumstances may be, then you tend to look at things a little bit differently. Your perspective changes. You see a little bit deeper into people, not just how they look or the uniforms or or dresses and clothing that they're wearing. You see much deeper. And that was the one thing that I noticed during that period. As I mentioned earlier, there are your Uncle Toms amongst the black race, and then amongst other races, there are people that are black without the color. And let me explain that. And I think I can understand it a little bit deeper than I did when I was younger. So you had a great-great-grandfather that had a great-great-grandmother, and they had a child, and one of them was black and one wasn't. And I think we went into this, and generation after generation, um, one of those particular ethnic groups prevailed, visually. So then you have somebody that, to all appearances, would appear to be non-black, with black DNA inside of them. I believe, after my life experiences and the people I've met, that there are a lot of black people that don't have the skin color. And I'm not just talking about their genetic structure. I'm talking about the thing that separates black people from other races. It's a certain softness or 
Or how is it they said that meek, docile, humble, I don't know, non-obtrusive behavior that was genetically passed on? You know, they had that famous phrase, I'm, I'm a, a lover, not a fighter. Well, it's, it's not even that. There's some type of innocence, I believe, that is passed on genetically. And I think along with that, there's like an undying hope. And let me go into a little bit more detail about that. Hope gives you the vision to see someone for what they can be. And unfortunately for the black people, which I think that is a very, very dominant genetic, how should I say, trait that's been passed on, unfortunately it has kept us the black race, at a level of, how should I say, non-prosperity to the point of where we are still being slaughtered on the streets. And prosperity, don't, don't translate that into talking about monetary values. Prosperity is when you can go home at night and know you're safe. That when your child walks to school, you are sure that they will not run into anyone who will harm them that shouldn't. You know, and again, I'm, I'm talking about our legal process. Prosperity, the least of its definition, would have monetary value. But back to the subject of the DNA, the genetic traits passed on generation after generation after generation, even though visually these people that have these traits appear to be of another race, I firmly believe that they are indeed black inside. I know it sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? But it's true. I've had friends of other races who are just as black as I am. And again, I'm not talking about a visual appearance. I'm talking about their morality. You know, that moral code. I'm talking about their perspective on life. What they consider to be right or wrong. I'm talking about the capability of being able to recognize that everyone deserves to be treated like a human being. No, I'm not saying that you have to have black DNA in you for you to have those philosophies or behavioral patterns. But that is a very dominant trait in the black genealogy. Not submissive, but subdued. Not introverted, 
just quiet. I mean, there is a, a million different ways you can say the same thing. But they all come out to have the same meaning at the end of the day. I don't believe being a black person that we are a violent people, normally. I absolutely do not. I do not believe that we were a, uh, what we used to call it in school, show horse. You know, the teacher's pet, you know, got to be on center stage, everyone's attention. No, I, I don't think that's our normal behavior. And this is just my personal opinion. I would think that, or I have found that, being quiet, uh, responsible, things in that order are our first nature, and that through our society's input, we've changed. Some of us, not all of us, but some of us have changed. And the people that are walking around that appear to be another race are still black inside. That's why they will stand up alongside of great men such as Martin Luther King Jr. and walk with him, try to work with him in the past. And these same people that have that in their genetic structure are still existing here today in America. And I don't, I don't mean that they're still alive. I mean that that trait of normality and morality has been passed on through their genetic structure. It's important to know that not only can you not judge someone by their race, black or otherwise. But it's important to know that no matter what your color is, you have the same potential to be a good person as anyone else. And that's important because of that traditional stereotyping, you know, certain so-and-sos from so-and-so and such-and-such -so -and -such is from so-and-so and well, they like this, they behave like this. Because of that, because of that ignorance, that is why we have the problem of racism. I have to be very careful. I mean, the name of this podcast is Born Black, and it's about my, my personal struggle and what they've done to me. I know there are two men somewhere in this country right now that were part of a legalized stealing of my my grandson when i when i say legalize yes they still think that they can take our children our offspring anytime they want and do what they want and this is exactly what a how shall i say judge in california did as far as i can figure it out they have a how shall i say 
I want to say sex slave market going on with the children out there. And unfortunately, right now, I don't have enough proof. But it seems to be ongoing, and there's a lot of hands involved in it, and it's legal, quote-unquote. But then again, you have to remember, 99% of the injustices rained down on the black race have been under a legal cloak of being permissible. I just can't understand why any any government, any person would think they have the right to take a member of your family, you know, in this day and age. It was almost like he was being auctioned off. Now, I would be lying to tell you that I'm not furious. Of course I am. Of course I am. I love my children. I love every one of my grandchildren. I love my family. I guess if I were to be punished at the end of my life for anything, possibly, well, you know, it's hard to turn the other cheek, too. I'm not going to lie. But if I were to be punished, it would probably be for loving my family too much, if there is such a thing. I'm making this podcast because it was my love for my family, actually that put me in the position that I'm in. And no, I'm a back out of that. That's a lie. My loving my family should have nothing to do with any injustice. My protecting my family should not have anything to do with any type of injustice. It is America's racism that brought about the injustice. That's it. And I would be lying to try to camouflage it under being my own fault for loving or trying to protect my family. No. That shouldn't be a fault. I shouldn't be blamed for that. I shouldn't be punished for it. And I shouldn't have my entire life destroyed behind it. This young lady on the social media account, she's very young. I want to say maybe 20, 20-something, 20 if that. I know that the men were following her because she's pretty. I mean, she wasn't doing, you know, I had no idea these social media accounts had such obscene things on them as far as verbiage and pictures, but she wasn't putting any of that up. She was just a normally attractive young lady. But I would almost guarantee you that none of those people following her actually cared about what she felt. I think it was... A visual thing. Remember, we're hung up on how people look. We, we judge people by the way they look. We condemn people by the way they look. We destroy people by the way they look. The ignorance that I'm speaking of is inherent in almost all of us. Some of us try to intellectualize it, train it, abstain from making those type of judgments. I, I work very hard. I, I do not want to make a judgment. I do not want to look at so-and-so and say, hey, you're of a particular ethnic group, so I know that you know. I sometimes catch myself slipping. After what has been done to me and my family, I'm not going to lie. It has been a struggle. 
In fact, what they've done to me has been so horrendous, it's been a struggle to stay civil. I'm not going to lie. You know, I'm not one of those people that condone violence or or like that man did over in L.A. where he backed the car down the street to wipe out those people he didn't like, which was the most ridiculous thing I ever heard. I mean, I it's on the news all the time, you know. I, I can't condone that type of behavior. Address the issue head on. So whoever it was that wronged you, go through the legal process and try to resolve it. That's it. I mean, that's the only civilized way to deal with it. You know, like this young man that was on the news. He, like I said, he should be spending lifetime consecutive sentences for the two people he killed and the other one he injured, but he's not. Is it my business? No. Do I care? Absolutely. And I only care, not because it's affecting me, per se, at my door, in my house, in my room, in my bed, but it affects me and my sons and my grandchildren. Like, it affects you if you're black. And it doesn't affect you the way you think it does. It's not like a peace march or anything it affects you because it is still a prominent statement by America saying that no matter how long, no matter how many holidays we put up there, how, no matter how many Black History Months, no matter how many people we honor, no matter how many people have died, no matter how many Black men like my uncles that were used for test rats in the Army, no matter what we do in America they will never treat us fairly ever this young man was a statement to that cause now I'm thinking well they destroyed my life behind something I didn't do you understand? I didn't do. And yet this young man on a camera did this heinous act and they decided it was okay. Well, let's just call it self-defense. You know. I mean, he went over there and started it, but he was defending himself. Now, I know in some states they have a, a law if somebody breaks into your house and you feel threatened by them or so on and so forth that you're able to defend yourself. I'm not really sure how that goes, that law. But I do know that 90% of the black people that have had those situations ended up in jail or prison. Uh, there was another case where, um, I don't know, this guy got angry about a parking spot. I'm trying to remember, oh yes, the young man parked in the handicapped parking space. Got uh, One of the customers came out and got into a confrontation with his girlfriend in the car about them being parked there, and the young man shot this man. Dead. 
And I'm like, are you serious right now? He had the right to do that because he felt threatened? Only if you're not black. Again, if the tables had been reversed, and it was a black man, he shot, of course. Because black people, you know, quiet and meek and docile, you know, easy to, to lead around and to do what you tell them to do, they always seem to be perceived as being a threat. <laughs> so funny. And I don't care if you're six foot five or eight feet tall or if you're four feet tall. Black people don't get sick. Did you know that? They don't get hurt. They don't feel bad. And if they have chronic conditions, they're not dying. No. Mm -mm. So they are always considered a threat. You know, I finally put my finger on why that is. I don't care what black person you are, you're a threat. You've never said a word all your life. And you know why? I finally, finally was able to figure it out. And it took me decades. Do you know why all black people are a threat? It's that old adage. What you put on the water. So we are not the only ones living in fear. They are afraid after all they've done to us that we will rise up and strike back. Let me, let me clarify that. You would think if somebody was flogging someone every day with a whip, beating them day after day after day, you know, keeping them from having food or stealing their children, you know, taking their wives and having your way with them, and you were beating them every single day, you would think that they would be broken, right? Hopeless. Helpless. Beyond compare. But in the back of their minds, these people that are not black, mind you, here in America, they have this nagging fear of black people because they are afraid that one day that person or those people that they've been hurting will stand up and get angry. That's why, no matter what is going around, no matter what's going down, a black person is never a victim. A, you're supposed to be flogged. And B, America absolutely cannot allow you to think that you have the right to stand up and defend yourself. That would be very, very bad. Decade after decade, century after century of abuse, can you imagine? If anger and hatred were a genetic trait that could be passed down from generation 
to generation. I have to admit, I, I don't blame them for being afraid. Anyway, that's something to think about. It's the same thing I asked myself when I watched the video of that young man when he shot that man down in the parking lot. And they said, he said he felt threatened. They were just arguing like two people. But somehow, in America's eye, a black person is always a threat. I want to say thank you to Martin Luther King Jr. and the people that tried so hard to make a change here in this country for the American black people and all the others that walked alongside of him and everything that was done. It's sad. It reminds me of that saying, one step forward, ten steps back. So many have died. So many have tried. I had this person that was not black tell me when I told her that there's no point to struggling in America for equality. She turned around and she said, well, I'm not willing to give up on America and all the people that have suffered and died to make it something or give everybody a chance to build a country. And I just looked at her. She wasn't black, of course. Her family hadn't been tormented, persecuted, beaten, killed, murdered, raped. No. Of course, she wasn't willing to give up on America. But I truly believe that continuing my existence in America or my family is giving up on us. Anyway, you have a wonderful day. Um, again, thank you to those that went before us that tried. There were some changes made, important changes. It wasn't all for naught. I look forward to speaking to you next time.